0: Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. I just got back from America where I spent a week with my family celebrating Jie, which is Christmas. So Jie is the holiday, and how to wish somebody a Merry Christmas in Chinese is Lu. As a matter of fact, you can put in Lu after pretty much any holiday, and that's a way of uh, wishing them a happy Holiday, whatever that is. And so uh, I will say this though if you're going to do that, make sure you don't do it on the tomb sweeping festival day, which is called a Qingming Jie. Qingming Jie is a, well, you can imagine on a tomb sweeping festival, it's meant to be a reflective or somber holiday here in China. So you don't want to wish somebody a happy Qingming Jie. But uh, apart from that, you can generally get away with that. Now, of course, right after. Uh, Christmas comes, New Year. But this is New Year as it as is according to the Gregorian calendar, which is the calendar that most everybody follows. Uh, so January first is what's called Yuan Dan, Yuan Dan, and you would just say Yuan Dan kuai Lu if you want to wish somebody that Happy New Year. But usually when you'll say the more literal New Year kuai Lu, that's being Xin Nian that's for the Chinese New Year, at least in China. Now, you're not wrong on January 1st to say to wish somebody a uh, 新年快乐 because the context is everybody knows it's January 1st, so they're not going to be confused about what you mean. But it is that difference of the Gregorian calendar versus the lunar calendar. So generally speaking, when you're saying 新年快乐, what you're referring to there is the uh, Chinese New Year. On the lunar calendar, which this year is quite early. It's the end of January. Sometimes it's as late as uh, March, and so uh, that's a little bit about how you can say "Shengdanjie uh, kuai le," "Yuan Dan kuai le," and "Xin Nian le." So let's move on to some questions that came in this week from the Mandarin Blueprint community. Also coming in from emails, coming in from comments on the Mandarin Blueprint method course. And if you're new to the podcast, the Mandarin Blueprint method course is the very best way to learn Chinese online in one integrated, and also linear curriculum. So you just step-by-step follow a linear curriculum to go from knowing nothing about Chinese to being fluent in Chinese and impressing everyone around you. And I'd like to take a moment to speak about that because... I just went to visit my uh, family, and I saw some of my extended family members for the first time in a while. My aunt, uncle, and cousins, and we all celebrated Christmas together. And recently, there was this uh, news report done on Mandarin Blueprint uh, that I'll leave a link to below, and it's also relevant to the next question that comes up. But... I showed it to them, and you know, in the clip, there's a few spots of me speaking fluent Mandarin. And I tell you, if you want to keep working for a little bit of a reward, seeing your family members react to you speaking uh, fluent Mandarin is quite the thrill. They were just—it was pretty jaw-dropping for them to see, you know, what appears to be a very Anglo-Saxon-looking guy. Uh, speaking very fluent Mandarin, it's ah uh, it's quite a trip. So and well, you know, you might think it's only a brief moment, but it's a moment where you can feel proud. Your family members all uh, will look at it and be impressed. And so you know, hey, that's great stuff. It's always nice when that type of thing can happen. So when you're adding to your list of goals with your Mandarin learning, keep in mind that if you can break out some fluent Mandarin in front of your family and friends, they'll surely will be very impressed. So let's get into today's different questions that we got. We'll start off with the miscellaneous questions that are more general, and then we'll move into more course-specific questions from there. So the first one we have is from Dan in the Mandarin Blueprint community. He says... I'd like to be able to tell people about the Hanza movie method in Chinese. Is there any example of Phil or Luke doing this or any written piece? I need some vocabulary like memory palace, memory champions, remembering pi to hundreds of decimal places, etc. Well, there are a couple of... Uh, examples. I'll link to them down below. Uh, two, one is uh, a speech I gave at the Two, uh, 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 which means the Wuhoutu section of Chengdu. They had an c- entrepreneurship competition. And I gave a little speech explaining what our course is all about. And then there's another of a news segment that was done a few weeks ago where I do some explanations of how things uh, work for our particular course. But I'll give you some Translations, at least for now, of some useful terminology. And so, some of this stuff, for example, you asked about the memory palace. so the memory palace is called a dian And so, that is literally memory and then palace. It's a directly translated word. Uh, then we have memory champions he asked about, which is jun guan jun so guan jun is the word for champion or first place or gold medalist uh, all of these different um words for gold medalist silver medalist and uh, bronze medalist all end with jun and so for example second place or silver medalist is ya jun and third place or bronze medalist is ji jun so you can check those out and It's a useful way to understand the different placements in, say, the the Olympics or something like that. And then uh, the last one was, remember pi to hundreds of decimal places. Well, I guess the things you would need to know are things like, what is pi? So pi is just the Chinese character. Pi uh, has a lot of different usages, but it makes sense that they would choose that to be the representation of uh, the uh, concept of pi as in the... um, uh, cir- square root of the circumference and then um, the decimal place is xiao shu Wei. so shuwei is like the l- location of a number within a number so like for example uh, 100 has 3 shuwei in it so which shuwei is it and then a decimal is a xiao shu Wei. so small uh, number place Number placement. So, 小数位, and then so if you wanted to say hundred, uh, remember pi to hundreds of decimal places, you would say, um, <coughs> 把 pi 的一百多个小数位记住. So you would start with 把, which is the the character you use to move the object in front of the verb. So the object in this case is hundreds of decimal places of pi. That's the object in the sentence. So 记住, that's the final verb. 记住. And the reason why you would use as opposed to in this case is because is a result of. 记. And when you use this construction, you tend to use the verb plus the result of the verb. So 记住, means to lock in place or live somewhere. So if you can imagine, you take the memory or to remember. 记, And you make it live inside you. So that's the memorization of it. So, 记住, right? So that's how you say, remember pi to hundreds of decimal places. Uh, I actually wrote my thesis all about uh, the Memory Palace and our method and how we do it. So I I don't know if I've ever put my thesis online. I could consider putting it online as a download uh, if you're interested. So Dan, if you get this and you're interested in reading my thesis, uh, I can send you a copy. And then that'll help a lot with that particular question. All right, next. We have Xiaotian in the community. Xiaotian asks, can an action be a prop? For example, curious about using the summoning spell Accio from Harry Potter for doll, which is the uh, character which means to summon. So this is a good question. And the... The way you can think of it is like this, so each element of the Henson movie method has a specific aspect that, uh, a specific mnemonic device that we use to remember it, and it's either a face, a location, an object, or an action. Now, the action should relate to the meaning of the character, so the problem with making a prop an action is that you may confuse it with the meaning of the character. Um... So my suggestion would be like this: If you want to use Accio from Harry Potter, and you want to make that, uh, you want to make that connection to summoning, summoning, the summoning charm from Harry Potter. Make that connection. See if there's a way that you can turn the action into a solid object. So, for example, there are several things that happen in Harry Potter in the story where one of the characters uses the spell to get access to something. So if I recall, in the fourth Harry Potter book, there's a moment where Harry Potter uses the Accio spell to get his broomstick in the Triwizard Tournament. Don't worry about how m- m- well I know these details. Um, and so, you know, that c- you could use that uh, broomstick as your representation of Jowl. Or you could use... Um, for example, in the seventh Harry Potter book, there's a moment where uh, Hermione uses a summoning charm to get some books out of Dumbledore's office. And so, like, there's you could turn that's an example of how you could turn something that was previously an action into something a bit more tangible and something you could touch. Now, all that being said, I think it's possible, Tian, that you'll end up in a situation where if you use an action for this particular prop, you'll be okay. But considering what I said before, you have faces, places, objects, and actions, and they each apply to different parts. You know, it's a pinion initial, pinion final, in tone, uh, character components, and character meaning. If you put something that's supposed to be a character component into the category of character meaning by making it an action, you might confuse yourself in the future. So if you do this, do it only as an exception. I wouldn't recommend doing that uh, most of the time. Next question comes from the community forum, where we have a question from Darian... Wower Warrior, Wawer. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name here, W-A-R, W-A-W-E-R. Um, but uh, he says, Hello, I have a question regarding props and movies. Background info. I am learning traditional Chinese by attending an intensive Chinese course in Taiwan. I am a textbook PAVC2. I don't know what that means, So, but I'm going to continue. I am a textbook PAVC2. So I memorized several hundred characters, but I was hopeful that I could incorporate Mandarin Blueprint method for more efficient and comprehensive memorization. I have prior experience in using mnemonics, and I already assigned all sets and actors. Okay, cool. I want to use the Mandarin Blueprint method to learn traditional Chinese characters, but I've run into a few problems. So just as a side note here. The Mandarin Blueprint method covers simplified characters because uh, there's two main reasons. One is that uh, as a matter of numbers, the the amount of people who use simplified characters versus traditional characters is just a vast majority use um Simplified characters because that's what they use in mainland China, but Taiwan is a notable exception to this Taiwan and Hong Kong are the biggest exceptions to using simplified characters Um, and the second reason is that Luke and I have not learned traditional characters uh, because we've always lived in mainland China since um, since. Starting to study Chinese. Now, that said, having learned simplified characters first, I do recognize most traditional characters. But every now and then, I still run into one that I'm like, what is that? And then when I find out the simplified version, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do know this character. Um, So, Darian's first problem. Props. Turns out they are not equivalent to radicals, as you guys answered in another video response. They are somehow created arbitrarily if you find them to be commonly appearing in other characters and to keep the three prop limit rule. The problem that this creates for me is, A, you don't seem to provide access to any comprehensive list of props that I could use to learn new characters outside of the Mandarin Blueprint method, and B, I don't know which parts of characters I should turn into props. So, for example, every week I need to learn 50 to 100 new words for my course. In order to use the Mandarin Blueprint method, I would need to have a props list so that I can use it on my own to learn those characters and or I would have to somehow realize which parts in any given character are best turned into a separate prop. Uh, B2 How much overlap is there with radicals? How many more props beyond radicals are necessary for this method? Any advice on how to decide what to make into a prop? And then the third problem. C, uh, I don't know how much your props made for simplified characters should differ from props intended for traditional characters. So, there's a second part of this question that relates to making movies, but I'm going to address these questions first. So, the I would say that our props are not uh, created entirely arbitrarily, uh, but interestingly enough, radicals are somewhat created ra- arbitrarily. I mean, not entirely either, but it's important to understand what a radical Is a radical is a categorization to look up characters in paper dictionaries. So sometimes a radical, where they drew the line between radicals, is also arbitrary. So it's not as if radicals are non-arbitrary and the props are arbitrary. Even the radicals, when you look at some of them that are classified as radicals, so that you can, you know, let's put it this way: you have a radical, and then there are several characters that are categorized into that radical but if you look at the radical itself sometimes it contains more than one component so a component is basically the smallest uh reasonable uh, sort of categorization you could come to a section of a character so it could be a roof could be the three dots of water could be a single dot you know that type of thing and also most of our props I would say the majority of our props aren't arbitrary in the sense that they have a uh, they have a semantic element to them or a phonetic se- element to it. And so if that's the case, then it's not exactly arbitrary. But there are some that we had to say, okay, there isn't necessarily a clear delineation between where you should draw the line between these two different or three different um, components that are in a character. So we'd say, okay, well, this component will make this a prop, and we won't make this a prop. And we could have made the other choice, but sometimes it had to come down to just uh, making a decision somewhere. So there is that there, but it just the point being that it's not entirely arbitrary. Sometimes we chose it based on the semantic element or the phonetic element uh, to the actual component. And so... The first thing, you don't seem to provide access to any comprehensive list of props, uh, but there are, we actually do. So here's how you can do it. If you go in Anki and you go to Browse and you select the Mandarin Blueprint method, and then while holding either Control or Command, you then select uh, the tag Props you'll see a list of only the props. So it actually is available to you there, and then you can make your edits to what you want to call each of your individual props right there in Anki. So that'll save you some time if you do that. Hopefully that's a that's a nice practical step there. Again, you just go into Anki, you select the Mandarin Blueprint deck, the Mandarin Blueprint method deck, like the master deck, and then while holding the command or the control key, select again the tag props, and then you'll only see props from there. So, and then the next one here was, I don't know which which parts of characters I should turn into props. So, for example, every week I need to learn 50 to 100 new words in the course. In order to use the Mandarin Bluebird method, I would need to have a props list. Well, again, this goes back to the uh, Anki would provide that for you. Now, and then the B2 question I kind of already answered in the sense that radicals are, there is some overlap overlap with radicals. It does happen to be that many... Uh, radicals are perfectly reasonable components to make into props. So there is some overlap, but obviously it's not 100%. And uh, how many props beyond radicals are necessary? I mean, I'm not sure because I can't remember exactly how many radicals there are. I can tell you that with 1,500 characters, there's uh, something like 450 uh, props or so in that range, which is more than the amount of radicals that there are. But again, radicals were created for looking up characters in paper dictionaries, which is no kind of standard for a modern-day uh, learning curriculum. And then C, unfortunately, the, the the answer to the question C is that I don't know either. So your question is, I don't know how, me- how much your props made for simplified characters should differ from props intended for tra- traditional characters. Since I haven't learned traditional characters myself, I don't know the exact answer to this. I, but I do know that if you look at a character and you look at what's inside of it, you can see about uh, trying to draw a distinction between them and if you decide that your distinction if you later on move on like pick a prop component and say that component is going to be this prop and then later on you realize actually i should have made it this other component that is the prop then you can maybe retroactively fix it but For the most part, all you have to do is break the character down into visual representations of the different components and then try to make a movie scene out of it. So where exactly you draw that line, it's always important to remember that all that matters is that you remember it at the end of the day. If the prop was actually, um, you know, quote-unquote the official radical, that's not really important. What's important is that you remember the character and how to write it and what it means. So if you break the prop down or sorry, you break the character down into different components than we did, or than uh, maybe an official Chinese scholar who writes what the radicals are in a dictionary, it doesn't matter if you get the meaning, pronunciation, and writing of the character down. So I know it's sort of broad suggestion, but I don't know where the differences are between traditional and simplified, at least not yet. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Relating to movies, the problem relating to movies. I know how to make a movie for a one character word. How do you memorize words made of two to four characters? I will be grateful for addressing my concerns and any helpful advice you can provide. Right, so this is a common question that comes up which is the uh, assumption that there, because it is sort of an assumption, we're not, we've are not. we never said, nor do we advocate, for making full mnemonic scenes for anything other than an individual character. We're not advocates for making mnemonic scenes for words or for character idioms or anything like that. We're advocates for making connections to things that you already know in your life. So if you learn the word for bank, imagining a bank uh, from your life that it, you know, made like, here's a silly story. Uh, when I was in high school, my jazz band would take uh, a bus to, uh, our different jazz band competitions. And there was this one bank in the area that was just huge for some reason. I don't know why, maybe it was the headquarters or something, but it was a really, really big bank. And my friends and I would just go, that is a nice bank. And every time we would go by, we just, that's a nice bank. And so that bank for me is a memorable sort of location in my mind. And if I'm learning the, the Chinese character or Chinese word, Yinhang, which is a two-character word, for bank, I might imagine that bank in my mind's eye as a way to make the connection more um uh sort of fruitful in my mind, just more interesting. Um and so that is something that you can do as an extra step. But the reason why you don't need to have full movies for two-character, three-character, or four-character words is because with a word, you have two layers of connection to it. So if you have a word that has two characters in it, you did the Henza movie method to learn those two characters. So you have two connections to the uh to the word from the bottom. So words and then below it is the characters. Well, you know both characters, so that's already a reason why memorizing the word will be easier. But then you get a connection above it where you see it in the context of a sentence. So when you're looking at a character, you, don't, you If it happens to also be a word, you could see it in a sentence, but a lot of characters aren't words, in which case you need to combine it with some other characters first and make words before you can see it in a sentence. So it's not really at a level yet where you have enough context to just be able to memorize it without too much extra effort. So therefore, we invented the Hunza movie method to help make that faster. but and And also the lower level is components, which you can't use independently regardless. So but when you so you got com, components is a really low layer and then you've got characters and then the layer above that is words and the layer above that is sentences so words have connections to both sentences and characters so they're easier to learn without the necessity of putting them in your memory palace now cuz we're just all about speed and efficiency here we're here, we're just about getting you to build your vocabulary up as quickly as possible now at the level of the character it's the most efficient and speedy way to do it by making a mnemonic scene but at the level of the word, we would argue that the most efficient way to do it is to see the word in the context of sentences that are made up of characters and other words that you've already acquired. By doing it that way, you can save yourself some time. Yes, yeah, so that's my answer to the second part of that question. I hope that's helpful. Next, we have a question from David Chang on it's a word for ma. There's a sentence here. He says, In the sentence, 你知道入口在哪里吗? Is ma. Redundant. I thought "nali" was enough to establish a question. That is a great question. So, if the sentence were uh, "入口在哪里," then adding "ma" would be redundant. But the sentence specifies "知道," which means to know. So the question is, "Do you know where the entrance is?" Which is a yes or no question. Yes, I do know, or no, I don't. And so you can imagine somebody might use this in the context of. Maybe uh, there's three people in the room, and you're busy doing something, and somebody asks you, uh, where's the entrance to the warehouse or whatever? And you don't know yourself, or you do know yourself, but you're busy, and there's somebody else there, and you could say, do you know where the entrance to the warehouse is? And if they say yes, you can say, okay, you can take this person to the warehouse. So there is a reason why you might just ask the yes or no question of, do you know where something is? And so – the point of the question is the 知道. That's the verb that the ma is associated with. And again, if it were just 入口在哪里, then there would be no need to add the ma. That would be redundant. And so, yeah, only when there's a, like another verb in the sentence that's uh, the focus will you have that ma and have it not be redundant. Okay, Gregory Savage on problem initials Z and C and S. I was practicing this lesson around a Taiwanese friend, and she was disappointed with the translation of hanzi as Chinese characters. Her opinion is that it is the words of the han as opposed to all Chinese speakers. Well, um, I mean, this is kind of a... uh, It's like a political thing, I guess, is that she's saying, I don't like to be lumped in with the han, because hanzi means uh, literally the letters of the han. Um, And... Problem is, it's like this is the word for Chinese character, and it's like you can, in different dialects, you'll pronounce it differently, and you could say 中国字, or you could say uh, 中文字, like so that would be China characters or Chinese characters. But nobody really says that in the mainland. Now, maybe in Taiwan they call them, uh, you know, 中文字 or something like that. But the Han People are the people who were very much involved in developing the written language. And the written language is something that they use in Taiwan as well. So Taiwanese people might not consider themselves to be Han, ethnically speaking. But the characters themselves have origins that go back uh, deep into Chinese history and involve the Han people. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, I can understand why she doesn't want to be lumped in with Han people if she's not a Han herself. But the etymology of the word is, is not incorrect, and it's also the word that everybody uses for Chinese characters. So uh, it's just sort of a legacy word. It doesn't really like mean any. It doesn't mean like oh, other people are excluded if you say hanzi Anybody can read hen zi. I'm not. I'm not a han, and I can read the hens and you know be fine with it. So, uh, but it's an interesting thing that she would f- think of it that way. Next, Tyson on new vocabulary unlocked for kanfa. Can you help me differentiate between xiangfa and kanfa? Are they interchangeable? Kanfa is translated as opinion in all examples, but opinion is not given as one of its definitions. Opinion is one of the definitions for xiangfa, but none of the examples translate as opinion. How to understand these words? They're essentially the same. Um, you know, kanfa. It's like. Its perspective might be the way you could translate kanfa uh, and xiangfa. Maybe implies that there was a little bit of thought that went into it, but like it's they're they're practically interchangeable. Uh, so I wouldn't really worry too much about it. See how you feel about it when you read them in a lot of different sentences, and see what naturally comes out when you output after having lots of input. But in my experience, there's not. A substantive difference between these two uh, that is, you know, worth worrying about. Uh, They're essentially the same thing. You know, obviously, can means to see. So, like, your perspective makes more sense because that's something that has to do with your vision, so to speak, uh, how you perceive that, uh, perceive things. And then, xiangfa xiang means to think. So, uh, xiangfa. But in the end of the day, it's really just. uh, Semantics. You're just having a semantic argument with about it, and so I would say that ultimately, when it comes down to real meaning, it's the same thing. Okay, so that's some of our miscellaneous questions. Some course updates for for you guys. So in case you missed it, all of the phase four and five uh, Google slides, shared Google slides, are all up on the sidebar of the course now, so you can reach them at any time. Uh, We do have. Uh, more of the expansion coming soon. We just have to do two recording sessions with Annie and Jerry to get all of the native audio into the flashcards, and it's proven to be a little bit difficult to schedule them. They're they're quite busy these days. So as soon as they've come in and done their uh, recording, we'll have the flashcards ready, and then we can upload them to the course and unlock the next 10 levels of the expansion, which will be good. And uh, something I mentioned in a new video that I just put up in level 13 of the course is that the podcast, you know, we've been taking clips from the podcast and putting them into the course when they're relevant. So for example, uh, in the course we have, uh, in the course, we have all of these lessons up until level 13. And then at level 13, we have far fewer videos, but A lot of the lessons post level 13 had questions that we addressed in the podcast. And so what we had our video editor do was go through and find those questions that we answered in the podcast that related directly to a lesson post level 13 and upload that clip to the course. So now we've added about 150 new videos to the course post level 13, which addresses the issue that had come up many times where people said, hey, after level 12, it's like you guys go away. Well, now we're less – uh distant after level 12. We are, we're in many of the lessons after that answering questions from the podcast. And what that implies is that if you have a question that you'd like answered, especially in the It's a Word or New Vocabulary Unlocked lessons, especially as they relate to grammar, uh, please ask them because not only will you get an answer on the podcast, but It will potentially pay it forward to people in the future, because when they arrive at that lesson, they'll have the video of us answering your questions. So we appreciate that as always, and uh, thanks again for all of the support. We love that you send in so many um, uh, questions each week. It's such a privilege, and we're very grateful to have such a vibrant community that really gets engaged in this curriculum. So uh, that's always great to see. So let's get into some movie shares. Okay, so the first movie we have is from Chad Ressler on Make a Movie for Hong, which means red. It's got the uh, components of silk and the character for work, and it's pronounced H-O-N-G, second tone. I'm giving I'm giving Hu Jintao a tour of where I work as he is visiting the US and giving me Chinese lessons. I show him our little break room in the back where of course we have our calendar with scantily clad females. <laughs> yeah, Chad works in a uh, mechanic shop, car mechanic shop. So that seems a uh, rather uh, stereotypical of having in the break room there, That's, you know. Uh, so let's see here. For December, it is a very attractive Chinese girl in a very short red silk dress leaning seductively up against an I beam at a construction site. Suddenly, Hu gets very angry and starts yelling in Chinese. Thanks to my studies of the Mandarin Blueprint, I suddenly realize that he is yelling, That is my daughter! <laughs> um yelling that is my daughter and his face turns red with anger and of course that's the meaning of the word uh red i like it um hu jintao being the representation there that's fine for h uh it must be that his um his uh the the room or the 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 place he works is the ONG representation, and the break room is second tone. And that makes sense, because a break room is usually where you'll have some kind of uh, cooking-related things in it, whether it's a coffee machine or whatever, and second tone's off in the kitchen. So makes sense that that's in there. And she's leaning against an I-beam with the silk dress. And then, of course, it ends with him getting red with anger. And I would say just exaggerate how red he gets and, you know, make that even clearer. Uh so that's excellent. Awesome. Next, in the same very similar section, uh we have Chad on make a movie for which means to make an appointment or to uh come up with or to yeah, usually it's to set a date. Location, father-in-law Ed's house outside the entrance. That makes sense because it's eh, and we have Ed actor Randy Randy Macho Man Savage, and the props Silk Dress and Spoon. Um, So he says here, I am at my father-in-law's house where we are shooting a telethon raising awareness for colon health. The Macho Man and his sidekick, Miss Elizabeth, are there and callers are standing by to assist people in making appointments with their doctors for a checkup. There is a large board in the background that reads appointments made, and the numbers are continuously added as people call in. Macho Man is standing with Elizabeth, and she is wearing a red silk dress and holding up a spoon where she delivers a message to the audience on the importance of eating a bowl of high-fiber cereal to maintain your colon health. Okay, (laughs) At the end of their message... The Macho Man encourages all viewers to call in and, for every appointment made through the telethon, a donation is made to Colon Cancer Research. Okay, nice. So I like the visualization of the appointments here because we have a telethon going on, we get the props involved with the red silk dress and holding a spoon, but you can actually see, like as you would imagine in a telethon, like, oh, another appointment's made and it shows up on the calendar. Another appointment's made. That's actually a really creative way to show uh, how... This abstract idea of appointments could be shown visually, and that's you know some new thing showing up in a calendar. We can imagine a calendar. We can imagine things showing up on it, and of course, there's all this extra uh, depth to the scene because of the idea of donating to colon cancer research and all of that. That that makes it all the um, all the more emotional, I guess, because the telethon telethon matters, and I would uh, imagine that perhaps. Maybe not, but I imagine perhaps this is uh, somehow related to maybe somebody that Chad knows in his family who maybe had to go through that type of thing. All right, nice. Next, we have uh, Kika Bisagno. I've been seeing more and more submissions from Kika lately on Make a Movie for Tsi. This is Tsi Qi like Tsi Gai, which is a, uh, a beggar. Okay. Cheekin Kira finally comes to my house to apologize. In my living room, the loser, with her tail tucked firmly between her legs and in front of all of her friends, has no choice but to beg my forgiveness for making fun of me and telling everyone that Beauty Crown would be hers. I won and she didn't. Okay, so, uh, yeah, everything's involved in this scene properly. We have the loser and the uh, the tail. We have the living room for the third tone and it's childhood home for because she doesn't have a final. Uh, we have everything there clearly. And to beg, you know, to beg, despite being not a very, um, it, you know, it's it's more an action than it is an object, it's also a very clear visual Action, You know, how you get on your knees and you just you're you're clearly begging to someone to do something. And uh, that is clear enough that everything about that scene should work no problem. So here's Kika on the next character, which uses the entire character of qi as the right side component. And this is the make a movie for qi, which means to eat. I hear noises outside my house. I open the door and I see Charlie Chaplin right at the entrance. So we've got ch first tone at the house Charlie Chaplin outside the entrance. The already the uh, already the pronunciation is taken care of. I ask him what he wants, but he doesn't talk. He just points his figure finger at his big mouth left side component. He is so dirty and smelly, smelly. He looks like a beggar right side component. He keeps pointing his finger at his mouth, and then it dawns on me. Of course, he's a silent movie actor. He's telling me that he wants to eat. So, I like everything about this story, it's very clear. I can imagine it clearly in my mind's eye. And I like the idea that because Charlie Chaplin is a silent movie actor, that's why he's not just saying it. hes He has to use his charades-like type uh, acting to show that he wants to eat. The only thing I'm worried about here is it's just that Charlie Chaplin looks like a beggar. That may be just what you do for beggar. It may just be like, make your actor look like a beggar. might be better to have a separate beggar that is a different person from your actor just to remember that, it, that that's the important part of the scene um, but that said though just like how for like for example the prop for uh, female we say well you could have your actor dressed in like you know sexy lingerie um, so that's an okay thing to do just you know as long as there's something very clear about what you do to the actor to make it super obvious they're a beggar. Next, on Make a Movie for Tsi. This is the character that means uh, air, gas, or and Tsi can also mean like one's aura or sort of way about them, you know, like, a, oh, he really has some nanzi, Tsi, meaning he's like quite manly, right? After realizing that she is not as beautiful as she thought, she truly feels like a loser. That'll be your top, right, top component. Chi Kira runs to the bathroom grabs a razor, that's the middle component, and chops off her pony tail, that's the bottom component. Nice. Quick in quick succession. She shrieks in agony as she sees herself in the mirror, crying so much she can hardly breathe. What have you done, I ask. Leave me alone, I need some air, she says as she leaves the house in a hurry. Nice. And so uh, everything about that scene's great. I don't have any um, major suggestions for it. I would say that... Um, uh, You know, it seems as though you're saying that the actor, who I guess is Chikinkira, who I don't know who that is, but that seems to be the actor here, um, feels like a loser. uh, And maybe that's not what you're saying. Maybe there is a a person who you associate with being a loser. uh, But just make sure that that's clear, the distinction between the prop and the actor. And if that is already clear in your mind, that's fine. Then we're all good. Next, I'll make a movie for Fei. We have Freddie Mercury uh, always comes to aikido practice on the back of his pet crane. <laughs> nice. Uh, the sensei wants for him to uh, waits for him at the entrance of the dojo. So that's the I guess the sensei is the re- representation of the dojo and a because Fey is pronounced F-E-I and pronounced a like that and it means to fly. And so Freddie Mercury's F, we got our pronunciation sorted. The sensei waits from the entrance of the dojo to see the amazing flight maneuvers of the bird, but today they crash-landed on the grass. Lots of icicles accumulated on the crane's tail so he could barely fly. Perfect. So we have the tail, the icicles, Freddie Mercury outside the entrance of the uh, dojo with the sensei. I love it. And... Uh, Everything's logical and fits together perfectly. It's, that's, uh, yeah, great. Excellent. Next, John Grist on Make a Movie for Den. My actor Damien is not squeamish. So Damien's a represent, representative of D and Den. So after trapping the rooster with a giant finger, those are two props, he plucks it and puts the body in a coffin. As an undertaker would, right? Because this character means to undertake. Uh, now, of course, it doesn't mean an undertaker, but I guess an undertaker is undertaking that the responsibility of taking people down to the underworld <laughs> or to or, or the uh, bodies to the morgue. He plucks it and puts the body in a coffin, right. So I love this simple, quick scene, gets all the props in, gets everything clear cleared up, nice and fast. Uh, I'm a fan. Well done, John. And I like that you added that your actor Damien is not squeamish, so he that means that he's just quick and, you know, somewhat to the point with the whole thing. I like that. Jeffrey Herzog on Make a Movie for Shi, which means to recognize or to uh, uh, to delineate. Sean Connery is standing in the kitchen of my childhood home, holding a megaphone while observing that weird ghost-looking thing from Minecraft. I assume that's the right side component here. He takes over the persona of James Bond and begins interrogating the weird anomaly for answers, knowledge. uh, Which is, yeah, that's one of the other uh, key words for this character is knowledge. But as the character does in Minecraft, the ghost is only able to make unintelligible baby noises. Okay, nice. So we got a lot of connections to Minecraft. I've never played, but I've seen people play before. Uh, so there's a lot of connections there. And all the pro I, again, a quick, right to the point scene. And um, yeah, no no criticisms there. That's awesome. Well done, Kika. Again, on make a movie for Kwong. I go to my estranged husband's house to get. So we, that's why we have it as the A-N-G. Uh, that's a creative one, I must say. Uh, the A-N-G set, The Estranged Husband's House. So that's how we get to A-N-G. To get the last of my stuff. He tells me that he's put everything in the bathroom. That's the fourth tone. So I open the door, but instead of boxes, I find the Kool-Aid man on the tub. I suppose that Kool-Aid is maybe her representation of uh Ice. Because it's cool. Or it could be the right side. We'll see. He looks so pale, I quickly realize that he is in an emergency situation. He looks dehydrated and needs help. Please, fill me with ice blue lemonade and lots of icicles, he begs. I called my big brother, who had been waiting for me. Hurry, hurry. I need help saving our childhood friend. (laughs) Of course, yeah. So, um... Right, right. So, Kool-Aid Man. Right, okay, so the Kool-Aid Man is the actor. That's what it is. Alright, so the Kool-Aid Man is the actor. The icicles are what needs to be um, put in to help the emergency situation, which is the meaning. And then the big brother comes in to make the final, uh, the, to, to help in the final way. That's that's great. Excellent. No problems, and that's, yeah, Kika, you're doing great. This is very creative stuff that you have coming through here, so well done. Kika on Make a Movie for... Robert Downey Jr. is such a bad influence. He told my brother he knew how to hide a razor in his mouth. Being the eternal copycat, my brother asked him to teach him. They went to the bathroom to use the mirror while trying, but in his first attempt, my brother cut his tongue very badly. There was blood all over the sink, he said don't be a sissy. Your tongue will be fine in a day. Okay, alright. Yeah, so I don't mind this scene. I think there's it's kind of a funny scene, and of course it's got the razor inside the mouth, which is very good. But this character does mean day, but it also means sun, and it's you know, to me, using the sun in some way is a better way to uh, to represent this meaning because something being fine in a day, it's like not quite strong enough because why not be fine in a week why not be fine in two weeks why not be fine in an hour there's no real reason why it should be a day but what you could do simple fix just put the razor in the mouth and instead of bleeding blood and again this doesn't have to make sense this isn't going to be something that would actually happen but none of this is stuff that would actually happen puts the razor in the mouth but instead of bleeding blood he's bleeding like sunshine and it like the blood co- coalesces, the sunshine blood cl- coalesces into a little sun. And then that's the ending of the scene. And sure, why is he bleeding sunshine? Because whatever, That's it's what fits the scene. And it's also very memorable because it's very odd. It's not what you expect. So that would be fine. Next, I'll make a movie for Jiu, which means old of objects. Not old of people, old of objects. While shopping at my mother's gourmet store... Ginger Rogers noticed a suspicious man following her closely up and down the aisles. So Ginger Rogers will be the representation of J.I. And, of course, we're in the gourmet store, which is the O.U. Because there's O.U. in gourmet. Great. She then remembers seeing the guy's face in an old newspaper. He was a a, a suspect in a kidnapping case. She decided to make a run for it. She hid in the bathroom and then, using a broomstick... She found behind the door. She managed to push open the window just wide enough to climb out and escape. So, the instead of going with sun as a representation of the right side component, Kika went with window, and that's perfectly fine because it does kind of look like a uh, a window that you could the kind where you have the top part and the bottom part where you lift up the top part to open or the bottom part to open the window. Uh, so that's perfectly fine, and everything's clear. And that one ends in the bathroom, which is the. Uh, Fourth tone representation, so awesome. Great stuff. Next, make a movie for Dan, which means daybreak. Diego Maradona has been suffering from psychotic episodes. Too many drugs. And he is so delusional, he thinks he's a vampire. Last time, he was at grandma's. That's the A-N representation there. He left the house at midnight and then came back just at daybreak. He was desperately trying to enter the house through the backyard window... Cutting the wire, uh, cutting the wire mesh with a razor, but the wires caught his shirt and he couldn't get in. He was screaming madly. See, he was screaming madly. The sun is coming out. The sun is coming out. Oh no! Oh, I'll go up in flames. Yeah. So I like this because, uh, of course, the vampire is. The enemy of daylight, or daylight is the vampire's enemy. Uh, we've got the razor, we've got the um, trying to get into the window, which is the top component, which, is of course, Kika's representation of the um, character for Sun because it kind of looks like a window. And yeah, everything's in the scene perfect. So glad to see that you're really getting this method, Kika. Keep it up. Awesome. Okay, Alina Dena Kuroian on Make a Movie for Knee, which means you. So the left side component, she has the Joker, uh, which is the component for person, and the right side component is Moses with the stone slabs with the Ten Commandments, "Thou shalt not" engraved on them. So, R uh, is a uh, the right side component is an archaic version of the word you, so like thou, and so that's why uh, Alina goes with the stone slabs here. I like it. So here's the script. Nicole Kidman is in the living room of my childhood home. is attacked by the Joker. Scared to death, she begins to pray. So she begins to pray. So Moses appears, floating in the air with the stone slabs with the Ten Commandments engraved on them. "Thou shalt not kill," he says to the Joker, and kicks the Joker's right arm. Right arm to emphasize the order of the characters with the stone slabs. Nice, excellent, very clear. Every element of the scene is used, and we have the actor, the set, and the uh, props all interacting together. Love it. Excellent stuff, Alina. Okay, next we have Tyson on Make a Movie for m, which is just a suffix uh, in words like shum or dum, which mean what or how. I followed Zach Morgan's lead on, from the last prop. Pick a prop for this is the um, what we would call elbow, but he said. Um, He'll use it as a triangle. So Zach Morgan suggested a triangle, and that's what he's going to use. Background of scene. I've been to many wedding receptions where the new bride and groom have to kiss every time a song plays with whatever word was selected to be the kiss trigger or whatever other trigger the couple allowed slash picked. So here's my scene. So that's the background for the scene, and here's the scene. Wedding reception on the roof of my old house, so the roof is because mu is a fifth tone, which is a kind of a rare thing That's it's only a fifth tone in this method, but if it does happen, you put the scene on the roof. Okay, so wedding reception on the roof of my old house, a large flat roof. Every time Michael Jordan hits the triangle with the samurai sword, the couple must kiss. Imagine KISS sound here. Simple. And so, even though this doesn't necessarily get across the idea of suffix, this is such a weird character in terms of its meaning uh, that this should be fine. Because when you have something like suffix, that there's like no real meaning to that. It's just sort of an idea of the ending of a word. And the fact is, you're not really going to have any trouble remembering this character anyway because it's in such common question words, like uh, what and how, that... You'll get it down, no problem. And in order to remember that it's Michael Jordan on the roof um, of the old house with the samurai sword and the triangle. And now I realize they meant that Zach Morgan's original suggestion was in the instrument to the triangle. You know, a little bing. And so then we have personal connection to it with that bride and groom kissing every time a song plays. Or in this case, a triangle hit by a samurai sword. Next, Alina on Make a Movie for Xiao, which means small. The props are a hockey stick and two drops. Script, Sinead O'Connor, her XI actor, in the living room of the AO location, or set, and she is attacked by the huge ogre uh, from the Puss in Boots story. She only, she only finds to grab a hockey stick, and she hits vertically the huge ogre's face. Two drops of tears burst out of the ogre's eyes, and the ogre begins to shrink, becomes smaller and smaller. At first, he becomes small as Sinead O'Connor, then as small as Puss in Boots, guest actor. Then he finally becomes as small as a mouse. Puss in Boots appears running and saying, I'll eat him now. But when he is in front of the small mouse, he shouts amazed, oh, but this is... The little super cute and friendly Stuart Little new prop for Xiao. Oh, I like that. So this advanced hands and movie method there. So she ends the scene with what will eventually be her new prop for Xiao, and of course Stuart Little is a great prop for that because not only is he a mouse, which is naturally small, but his last name is literally Little, so that works out perfectly. And uh, excellent scene. I love it. All the different elements are there. You know, the idea of getting smaller and smaller. Uh, and the two drops, just make sure those two drops are really prominent there. Slow motion, close-ups, shining uh, drops that come out of the ogre's eyes. I love it. I got an eejit story coming here. on make a movie for tween, which means a crowd. Uh, her actor is the queen because of chu. Her set is My Rental House in Uni, so that's the E-N. But in this case, whenever it gets combined with U, it ends up being the U-N sound, so ch'in, ch'in, second tone. Her props are Warden Norton from Shawshank, a very memorable character, uh, the mouth and a flock of sheep. All right, nice. A flock of sheep has gathered in the kitchen of my EN set, protesting against the mouth, who wrongly accused them of being the main cause of Brexit. (laughs) The sheep traded banters with the mouth, And Warden Norton came into the scene to control the crowd. He then called upon the Queen to explain the misunderstandings. The Queen reassured that the sheep won't be turned into scapegoats. (laughs) And Britain is due for an election to resolve this matter. Warden Norton warned the Mouth to not cause any more unnecessary commotion. The Mouth sheepishly apologized to everyone, and the crowd finally dispersed. (laughs) There's so many great connections here. Uh to you know current events we have sheep which we oftentimes will think of as things you'll put into crowds and that you know you've got the idea of sheeple and scapegoat i love that she she combines sheep and scapegoat it's excellent so uh well done ija i love it that's perfect heather on make a movie for juan ron swanson and the hulk are facing off in the bathroom of my of my halls at university, so Ron Swanson will be the left side component of what? and Hulk is the actor related to the H-U in what. and uh, the, uni- the halls of the university, the bathroom of the halls of the university will be the A. Ron Swanson is holding a can of Seven Up. That'll be your right side component. He downs the Seven Up, crushes the can, and holds onto it tightly in his left hand. Uh, my right, as he's face my right as he's facing me. With a roar, he suddenly transforms into a giant Ron Swanson, growing bigger and bigger, tearing through the upper floors and destroying the building. Still holding the seven up, he takes one step and squashes the Hulk. Yeah, perfect. So you've got even the positioning correct that he holds it in his left hand, which appears to your right as you're facing him. And uh, he transforms into the larger Ron Swanson. You know... Um, the him growing bigger should be enough for you to remember transform but maybe you even imagine him growing bigger like a transformer would like so instead of just purely growing he's kind of like shifting his uh parts i guess as it were kind of like a transformer turns into a car or into something else maybe you just imagine it a little bit more like that but otherwise that's a great scene uh every element of the scene is interacting very well awesome all right. Ijo and make a movie for Fa. Uh, this character means weary. It's pronounced Fa. And uh, her actor is Freddie Mercury. Her set is her apartment in Australia. Australia representing the A. And uh, the props are Zorro and a samurai sword. Zorro being the bottom part, samurai sword being the bottom, uh, being the top part. Freddie finally found a quiet place to write in a small corner inside the kitchen of my Australian apartment. He finally feels alive and going to have himself a real good time. <laughs> Having a good time. Uh, but Zoro suddenly barged in and challenged him for a sword fight. Freddy, getting weary with all these interruptions, grabbed the samurai sword and accepted his challenge. So that's a moment of serious facial expression there. Like, oh, okay, I'm getting weary of this. Right? Like, that's a good moment of. Uh, facial expression helping out a few hours later both men were exhausted and zoro asked for a break (laughs) sure freddy already furious from all the random people disturbing his peace and quiet blatantly refused zoro's request don't stop me now he said don't stop me now he said the fight continued zoro somehow then managed to distract freddy and made his escape with nothing but blood in his face what a big disgrace (laughs) <laughs> he's just so good at getting the cultural tropes like layer upon layer love it next Michael Rochford on make a movie for Chang or Dong, depending on which one you want to go with I decided to go with one movie scene to cover both Chang and Dong. so it's pretty difficult but after the fifth rewrite I got, it, I got it right for me my brain sometimes sticks when a character like uh, Hang which is either pronounced Hang or Xiong uh, now whether it's the five rewrites or not, I instantly know uh, it can be either, and it pops instantly into my mind when I see Chang, Chang slash Zhang, my scene. An endangered and rare ice skating giraffe has been separated by a frozen river between the kitchen and bedroom of my ANG house. So that, that's the representation of the, the Chang is second tone and Zhang is third tone mother giraffe was able to skate across the river to the kitchen where it is being held by Charlie with a long hook. Meanwhile, across the river in the bedroom, George Washington is trying to get the baby giraffe. It's obvious that the baby still needs time to grow and develop before it can acquire the enhanced ability to ice skate. George Washington had to, has to administer a sedative via an arrow in order to safely bring the baby to its mother. I'm still not sure that this is better than writing two different scenes for the same character. I guess I will see it's better as time goes on. See, that? I think this is fine, Michael. You'll be able to clearly, you've gotten both the pro, all the props involved. You've gotten the actors that represent the different uh, pronunciations involved. And you've even got the rooms of the two different rooms in the A and G set involved. So you're going to remember this no problem. And it the fact that it took some extra creative energy just means you're more likely to remember. Uh, excellent stuff. I love it. Here's an interesting one. Chad, Chad on the casting call for Shu, which is the 50th of the 55 actors need to be chosen. He actually went with WWF wrestlers for everything in the U category. So for Shu, he assigned Ric Flair. So fair enough. Nice. Awesome. Now we have some props, and we'll finish up with these props. Uh, and then... We'll wrap up today's podcast. Adam Condolini on pick a prop for the what I like to call this like the open box. It's basically a, a top, bottom, and left side with an open right side. If you imagine a square with just an open right side. He said, I went with a big red horseshoe magnet, like you see in old Looney Tune cartoons. Hopefully I can get some use out of the out of it magnetizing things in my scene. Sure, see, yeah. I remember that in cartoons. You'd put that magnet up and it could somehow attract almost anything metal metal towards it. Uh, and Tyson on that very same prop suggested an open safe. So instead of having a locked-up safe, it's already open. That's perfectly fine. Pablo Prieri on pick-a-prop for Ling. Uh, The character reminds me of a centaur. Okay, so so I just imagine a centaur version of Freddie Mercury singing Another One Bites the Dust, because this character means another, so perfect. J, J J-A on pick-a-prop for Yo, which means friend. He says, Chandler, Monica, Joey, Phoebe, Rachel, Ross, maybe even use whichever works best in a given scene because they're friends. That's perfect. Good one, Jay. I like it. And, uh, you know, it's fine that there's six of them. That's, if anything, that just makes it even clearer that they're an important part of the scene. Mackay Albert on pick a prop for Chang, a dachshund dog. Sure, because dachshund dogs are nice and long, just like Chang. So I like it. And you can even make it bigger. Like kind of in Toy Story where you got the dachshund uh, uh, Slinky. Um, So he's nice and long there as well. J.A. on Pick a Prop for Yen. The Monster Book of Monsters from Harry Potter. Perhaps not literature, but should be fun in these movies. Yeah, because that Monster Book of Monsters is uh, quite the dynamic book. Let's put it that way. It might eat you. So that's always a good one. William and Meadies on unpick a prop for Bao, a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I feel that would be appropriate prop choice for Bao, yeah, because Bao is you know, there is actually another word, um, character Bao that has the fire component on the left It's uh, the meaning of explosion but Bao has the meaning of, like, it kind of also means explosion or something happening very quickly. Uh, so, for example, a Bao Fa is somebody who becomes very quickly rich. And so, uh, Bao is a. It's good to have a nuclear bomb for that one. And the character for explosion, uh, Bao, is not ever going to be a prop. So, this is perfect. Nuclear bomb is about as big of an explosion as we can imagine. Or maybe, maybe a supernova, but you know. Tyson on pick a prop for D. Um, a woman's compact mirror, seeing yourself. Exactly. So compact mirror is just so you can see yourself. But it's also compact, so it's easy to use in your scenes. And you can maybe make it a little bit bigger and a little bit more exaggerated if you want. But that's perfect for Ji, because Ji means oneself. And that's what a mirror does. Tyson, I'm going to pick a prop for E as an Yi Jing. A bottle opener. Yeah, it does kind of look like a bottle opener. Yeah, perfect. It isn't it great when the prop looks like uh, the character itself. Chad Wrestler on pick-a-prop for... Lego pieces. Could be a house or a barn. Yeah, Well, yeah, it actually could be a house or a barn when you look at it. It does sort of just look like a house. But he went with Lego pieces because Lego pieces combine together, and that's the meaning of the character. Pablo on pick-a-prop for... Nay, Schrodinger's cat inside a box. Yep, that's it. Is it alive? Is it dead? We can never know. Uh, It's both. Uh, I like that. Inside, Schrodinger's cat. Excellent connection there. Xiaotian on pick-a-prop for xue, which means uh hole of some sort. Looks like a spaceship beaming something up. Sure does. Never noticed that. A spaceship might be a good fit for several characters that contain xue, such as kong and jiou. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You can imagine the spaceship is beaming up the things under it. I love that. Good job, Xiaotian. William Edmidi's on pick-a-prop for y. Um. So... Yi means by means of Malcolm X, famous for his by any means necessary speech. Sure, nice. Good connections. These connections are crazy. I love having all these minds working on the possible connections to all these characters. Xiao Tian on pick a prop for Dao, which means knife. They look like a meat cleaver and a melon knife. Uh, right, because the when this is... um. When a, when uh, Dao is on the right side, it looks like two little lines, and I can imagine that being a melon knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, meat cleaver when it's in its full form, and melon knife when it's in its side side form. Xiaotian on pick-a-prop for zhi. Train station is great because zhi is a component of Dao, which means to arrive. And, uh, yeah, excellent. So... That's a perfect way to think of it. So a train station, and you can just imagine the train station existing itself in your set. So that's everything for this week. Well done. Wow, everybody gave such great submissions this week. Uh, Very lucky here at Mandarin Blueprint to have such smart and engaged uh, people on the course. And I hope that You keep uh, giving us your questions, especially on those It's a Word and New Vocabulary Unlocked lessons. Whenever you ask questions about grammar or why things are the way they are, it really helps make the course uh, richer and more fulfilling. As as always, grammar is something that does not need to be learned intellectually. It can be acquired unconsciously. But still, we're always happy to answer those questions because people get a kick out of it. So thanks so much, mandarinblueprint.com. And uh, by the way, up until... January 7th, we'll be having a deal on our uh, annual subscription, 33% off. Just go to mandarinblueburn.com for the details up until January 2nd, January 7th, 2020. See you next time.